Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome once again to the mansion on the hill, the house of strange, the palace of mystery. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. This is season five. We thank you for listening to the show. Well, howdy, hi there, friends and neighbors. This is Terry from Texas with another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. We're all pretty much aware of the Roswell, New Mexico UFO incident, which first it was a UFO, then it was a weather balloon, now it's just a controversy. And, and we've pretty much heard about the alien autopsy video, which was declared a fake from frame one, and it was. But uh, something happened a while back that added a different idea to the Roswell incident. Slides uncovered in an Arizona home seem to unlock the Roswell incident, a riddle that has baffled UFO enthusiasts for years. But was it all too good to be true? In the spring of 2012, Chicago videographer, red flag number one, Chicago videographer Adam Dew received a mysterious phone call from his former business partner, Joseph Beeson. I have something to show you, Beeson said with urgency in his voice. Later that day, Beeson showed Dew a series of slides. The slides had been found 14 years earlier by his sister, who had been hired to dispose of the belongings of an elderly woman who had recently passed away. His sister couldn't bring herself to jettison the collection, so she took the box home and placed it on a shelf and promptly forgot about it. Many years later, she finally projected the slides on her bedroom wall. She saw vivid color photographs of Dwight Eisenhower on what appeared to be a post-war victory train tour, pictures of Bing Crosby and Clark Gable, as well as several photos of European towns. Figuring they had some historical significance, she sent them to Beeson, who had worked in book publishing. To me, that's red flag number two. Now Dew scrolled through the slides. Some were stunning and had the unmistakable clarity of Kodachrome, Kodak's revolutionary mid-century color processing. He wondered how the person who took them was able to get so close to Eisenhower. They must be important, he thought. 
Then Beeson showed him another picture, the first of two nearly identical slides. These had not been in the tray, but tucked underneath, wrapped in parchment paper. Dew gasped. Staring at him was a small, brown, withered body inside what appeared to be a glass case. The figure had withered arms, shriveled legs, a large triangular skull with elongated eye sockets, and a tiny sliver of a mouth. He had but one thought. He was looking at a dead space alien. Until that day, Dew had spent little time pondering UFOs. He's a stout father of three who shoots freelance sports videos for a living. People would describe him as gruff, diligent, short on chit-chat, hardly the type to be chasing little green men. But he just couldn't stop thinking about the slides. I knew immediately it was a good story, Dew said in Frederick, Maryland. Whatever was on that slide was a great story. Dew had long dreamed of making a documentary and suddenly he had the ultimate topic. He convinced Beeson, his friend, they should research one together. The garage of a woman named Hilda Blair Ray near Dew only knew of one UFO place, Roswell, New Mexico, just a state away. A UFO supposedly had crashed there in 1947, and many believed it to be one of America's biggest governmental cover-ups. In its 231-page report about the incident, released in 1997, the U.S. Air Force denied all of it. Could this be related? News accounts and military documents all confirm a celestial device tumbled to Earth that night in Roswell, and for a minute, the stories were pretty much alike. Then, the stories diverge. Witnesses and their relatives described a destroyed flying saucer that broke into two wreckage fields. Aliens, many of those witnesses say, were found in the mangled craft and then transported to a top secret site. The military, after first announcing a flying disc crash, quickly revised their story saying it was actually an experimental weather balloon. For years, the Roswell incident was largely unknown outside New Mexico until 1978, when a Canadian nuclear physicist named Stanton Friedman met an Air Force officer who had been there. Intrigued by the man's story, Friedman researched the case and helped make a documentary called UFOs Are Real. Soon after the documentary's release, the town turned into an extraterrestrial mecca, giving birth to a culture of self-declared researchers yearning to find the truth about the event. Some of those, like Tom Carey, a retired Philadelphia businessman with a background in anthropology, and Don Schmidt, who owns a ranch in southern Wisconsin, have written several books on the subject. But so far, their evidence is only anecdotal, and their years of research have not provided any physical proof aliens crashed at Roswell. If Roswell turns out to be true, it's the story of the millennium, Schmidt says. By 2012, time was running out on Roswell. With nothing tangible to link the accident to aliens, Roswell was becoming a cold case. 
Then Joseph Beeson contacted Tom Carey. At first, Carey was suspicious. He had been disappointed enough times by phony claims of Roswell evidence, and his first reaction was to distrust any new discovery. To make matters worse, Beeson had struck him as secretive, insisting that anyone who looked at the slides must first sign a non-disclosure agreement. There's another red flag. Still, Carey felt an obligation to pursue any Roswell possibility, so he signed the non-disclosure and in return, he was emailed a scan of one slide. When Carey opened the email attachment in his Philadelphia area home office, he jolted in his seat. Clearly visible on the figure's head was a dark mark similar to other black blotches across the body's torso. It appeared to be some kind of skin discoloration, but to Carey, who has anthropology degrees from two different universities, that mark on the head was something else. Child of Earth, he said to himself. In the American Southwest lives a small reddish-brown insect called the Jerusalem Cricket. It has a faint, dark indentation on its head, almost like a newborn's still-melding skull. The Jerusalem Cricket's more common name is the Potato Bug, but in Spanish it is known as El Nino de la Tierra, the Child of the Earth. The daughter of Dan Dwyer, a Roswell firefighter in 1947, has said her father saw three of the aliens at the crash site. When pressed by his children to describe them, he had said, Child of Earth. These three words had haunted Carrie for years. What did that mean? Carrie assumed it had something to do with the Jerusalem cricket, but how? Now the answer glowed from his computer screen. For me, that was almost like a fingerprint, Carrie said. When I saw that image and saw that marking on that body lying on the slab, it jumped right out at me. That's what Dan Dwyer was talking about. Also, the body looked exactly what had been described to me by several eyewitnesses. Frail, big head, etc. My first thought was, this has to be one of the Roswell bodies. It wasn't a sketch. It was a photo. And it was taken right after recovery. Suddenly, Roswell had its most promising lead in years. What do you want of me? Beeson remembers Carrie asking. I want you to help verify, Beeson replied. With Carrie and Schmidt's guidance, Beeson and Dew began what UFO experts call an investigation. They took the slides to professors, color experts, and animators. They cut one of the images from its cardboard border to look for a date code, then had it run through a drum scan to improve clarity. A digital illustrator made a 3D image of what the body might look like alive. They consulted people at the Kodak headquarters in Rochester, New York. The experts told them the slides were real, they had not been tampered with, and they were from between 1945 and 1950, making it possible the photos were taken right after Roswell. They looked more into Hilda Blair Ray's life. She had a pilot's license and worked as an attorney. She was one of the first women to graduate from the University of Minnesota's law school and had married a geologist named Bernard. The couple moved to Midland, Texas, 
Bernard became head of the powerful West Texas Geological Society. They never had children, and they roamed the world. Beeson and Dew started to suspect Hilda might have known Eisenhower's wife, Mamie. Eisenhower's great-granddaughter, Laura, once claimed the president actually met aliens while he was president. Uh -huh. They wondered how deep Hilda and Bernard's connections went. Looking at a map, they realized that Roswell, New Mexico, is 250 miles from Midland. They thought that seemed close. You start to fill in the blanks, Dew says. Carey took a photo of one of the slides to an old associate at the University of Toronto, one Richard Doble, who noticed the figure had half as many ribs as a human, no collarbone, and its arms were attached to the top ribs. The more you look at it, the more you realize it is not from Earth, Doble later said. But finding other opinions was challenging. Schmidt said, American scientists hold up a cross like to a vampire when the word extraterrestrial is used. He and Carey also worried that any Roswell evidence taken to a U.S. college that received federal funding would be shipped to the military and disappear forever. Dew still wasn't sure he believed in UFOs, but he was starting to think the figure in the slides was something. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The more he went around Roswell, the stranger people acted. Does the government know you have this? One woman asked. Several others told him to be safe. Soon, Dew grew paranoid. He worried powerful people were interested in his slides. He wondered why the same white van kept parking in front of his house. His wife thought his UFO pursuit was absurd and wanted nothing of it. Finally, he loaded a copy of the slides onto his phone and went to Roswell. He showed the photos to the children of witnesses and filmed their responses. Then he tracked down Eliezer Benavides, an Air Force Base veteran who claims to have seen the aliens when they were brought to the Roswell base. That's what I saw in 1947, Benavides said after looking at the slides. That was a chill-inducing moment for us, said Dew. Dew started to put together the trailer for his documentary, which gives a flavor of his truth-seeking efforts. By the fall of 2014, whispers trickled through the UFO community that Carrie and Schmidt had photographs of a Roswell alien. The world of UFO research can be a vicious one, as in many fields. It can be filled with self-proclaimed researchers certain they can find evidence others have not. You don't need an advanced degree to be a UFO researcher, says Kevin Randall, a UFO researcher himself, as well as an author, blogger, and radio host. In 10 minutes, you can say, I'm a UFO researcher, and start posting on internet message boards. 
Many of these investigators turn on each other, and Carrie and Schmidt could hear the sniping about their slides. People wondered what they were hiding. They couldn't respond. They had signed a non-disclosure. Finally, Carrie couldn't hold back. While speaking at a UFO conference in November 2014 at Washington, D.C.'s American University, he blurted, We have the smoking gun. He told the audience about Hilda and Bernard, about the Eisenhowers, about the slides in the box, about the shriveled body in the pictures, and about the Toronto anthropologist who said the figure wasn't human. Within days, the entire UFO world knew about the alien in the slides. But since Beeson and Dew couldn't show the slides publicly until they proved the body was an alien, the UFO community was flustered. Tom Carey had access to the smoking gun, and he couldn't show it? Rather than hail Carey's proclamation, the message boards and chat rooms that make up the vast extraterrestrial internet buried it in scorn. Smells like BS, said one Reddit poster. Sasquatch community is rife with charlatans like this, said another. A carefully prepared scam, wrote a UFO blogger. Carrie and Schmidt were shocked. While accustomed to criticism for their research, they lived shielded from the modern Internet's rage. Carrie couldn't comprehend someone calling him a hemorrhoid with glasses. Say it to my face, Schmidt wanted to scream to his invisible attackers. By early 2015, Beeson and Dew knew they had no choice but to reveal the slides. The pressure to do so was extreme and Dew needed money to fund his documentary. Dew spoke to a reality show producer, hoping to build a TV special around the slides, but the offer was too small. The only appealing proposal came from Jaime Mossan, an investigative journalist based in Mexico City. Depending on whom you talk to, Mossan is either a fearless crusader tackling environmental issues or a sensationalist with an unhealthy UFO obsession. Guess what my opinion is. Mossan wanted a great slide-revealing spectacle in Mexico City. He said attitudes about UFOs are more open there than in the U.S. He imagined renting the Auditorio Nacional, Mexico City's grandest theater, and said they could sell a live stream of the event around the world. He had a name for his extravaganza, Be Witness. He promised Beeson and Dew enough money to fund a documentary. Beeson and Dew hated the idea. It sounded like an overblown fiasco. But Masson was their best option. So in early 2015, they signed an agreement for Bee Witness and sent Masson a scan of the slides. He took the scan to Mexico's National Forensic Institute, where researchers found 20 anomalies in the figure's body they said made it different from humans, including the extra-large head, four sets of ribs instead of ten, the position of the eyes, and the fact it lacked a pelvis. On May 5, 2015, Cinco de Mayo, nearly 7,000 people paid between $20 and $86 to attend Be Witness. The show was more than four hours long, and the list of speakers was endless. Carrie and Schmidt gave a PowerPoint presentation. Doble testified that the body was not human. The forensic scientists described the anomalies they discovered. 
Beeson found Bee Witness too much of a spectacle to attend. Almost to prove his point, a person dressed as a giant alien strolled on the stage. Then Masson projected the two slides onto enormous screens. At first, there was little response from the UFO world. Though the slides had been on huge screens in the auditorium, they weren't easy to see online. Many people noticed what appeared to be a reflection of a woman's leg and the corner of a bench in one photo. It looked suspiciously like something from a museum. No one could tell for sure. Three days after Be Witness, someone involved in the show leaked a high-resolution scan of one slide to a group of skeptics. The next morning, Beeson called Dew as he prepared to leave Mexico. In one of the pictures, there was a placard, and they had never been able to decipher it. A member of the Roswell Slides Research Group, posting under the screen name Neb Lator, this examined the high-resolution image using Smart D-Blur Pro, a software program easily found on the Internet. Several hours later, the placard's top words had been cleared enough to be deciphered. It said, Mummified body of a two-year-old boy. Further deblurring revealed most of the placard's other writing. It said, at the time of burial, the body was clothed in a cotton shirt. Burial wrappings consisted of these small cotton blankets. This display was loaned by a resident of San Francisco, California. Dew was stunned. No way could they read in two days what it took us three years trying to decipher, he says. The deblurring had to be phony, he thought. For a few days, Carrie and Schmidt, much like Dew, refused to believe the placard actually had been read. They accused the Roswell Slides Research Group of photoshopping the placard. Carrie released a statement calling the members a cast of characters and accused one of being party to a UFO hoax years ago. But soon after more information was unearthed, a better reading of the placard identified the mummy's donor as an S.L. Palmer. Debunkers located government records showing Palmer discovered the body in 1896 near Montezuma Castle, a series of cave dwellings cut into the Arizona cliffs about 30 miles from the garage where Beeson's sister initially found the slides. The records included evidence that the child was Native American and photos of the burial site along with pictures of the body spread on blankets not long after its discovery. The mummy was traced to the Chapin Mesa Archaeological Museum in Mesa Verde, Colorado. The museum confirmed the child's body had been on display for years, which is where it seems an attorney and a geologist named Hilda and Bernard might have snapped photos of it in the later 40s. The Smoking Gun R.I.P. to the Roswell Slides, screamed a UFO blog headline. Fraud put to rest, said another. Busted, shouted one more. The UFO world mocked Carrie and Schmidt for not realizing their Roswell alien was a mummy in a museum. The whole investigation was amateurish, scoffs Kevin Randall, the UFO researcher and radio host. How could everyone not see the pictures clearly came from a museum? 
Did they really think that even if Dwight Eisenhower somehow knew the rays, he would let them look at something as top secret as a dead Roswell alien? Not long after the placards deciphering, Kerry was pulled from a prime speaking role at a top UFO conference. Humiliated, Kerry and Schmidt apologized to the Roswell Slides debunkers. I came back to the States thinking, the only redeeming thing is that 99% of the American press has no clue or idea about this or that it happened, Schmidt says. They wondered how they could have been so wrong. They considered the previous three years and concluded that Beeson and Dew had duped them by distorting the slides and blurring the placard, making it impossible for anyone to read. They said Beeson and Dew only showed them a low-resolution photo, which kept them from realizing the body was in a museum. It was a very sophisticated hoax, Carrie says. Dew manipulated the slides. The one clue we couldn't figure out was the placard. But they played hocus-pocus with the placard. We were given something that had been altered. These guys would tell you they were being upfront and honest, but they were controlling the slides, said Schmidt. I shouldn't have trusted them as much as I did. But why? M-O-N-E-Y. That's why Dew did it, Carrie says. Night is falling outside the coffee shop where Dew tells his story. He gazes into the inky darkness, then shakes his head. He says he and Beeson did show Schmidt a high-resolution version of the slides early in their investigation, and the experts they approached were those recommended by Kerry and Schmidt. He insists he has always tried to remain neutral about the slides, even as he and the others let their imaginations stretch random pieces of Hilda's background into believing they had the world's only photos of a Roswell alien. When asked if he wanted too much for the body to be an alien, something Kerry and Schmidt both admitted that they themselves did, and he was willing to set aside all good sense, he said, I'm definitely guilty of not discouraging the talk of it being alien. It was good for the project. Beeson has moved on, but Dew wants to finish the documentary. He will call his film Kodachrome, a tribute to the red processing label stamped on each of Hilda's pictures. It is, after all, the reason he dedicated four years to the slides and why he still clinches his jaw as he denies Kerry and Schmidt's charge that he manipulated the photos. They got their hopes up, he says. They will never get the answer they're looking for. They dedicated their lives to this. Me? I just go back to shooting high school football. He chuckles. And his laugh clinks empty under the vast night sky. Was Dew a hoaxer? Was Beeson? Was this all done just to create a buzz or to get some scratch? I have no way of knowing truth from fiction in this matter. In fact, I had only heard of this just recently. Are there aliens out there? Are there even here on Earth? I have only my beliefs regarding the whole alien concept. I just can't believe there are aliens. The comment does not welcome argument. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for being along for the ride. 
I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. Aaron reads listener stories, mostly ghost stories, sometimes UFOs, sometimes cryptids. On Tuesday, Aaron Frail brings you Aaron's Horror Show, different things that he's written. He reviews movies, books, things like that. On Wednesday, it's me, Terry from Texas, with Terry's Mysterious Moments, where we talk about just about anything there is to talk about. And at the first weekend of the month, we have video from The Witching Hour. Aaron has instituted a new area called Entertaining Short Films. That's exactly what they are. They're just short stories, nothing in particular. No particular genre, just entertaining. Remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have Apple or Android, download the RPA app, which is a black square with a blue eye in the middle of it. Download that to the device that you listen to the program on. Install it, and when you open that up, you can go straight to the Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and its network. So all the all the stories that are involved with RPA are there, so you don't have to go hunting for them. If you want to contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments, you can do that on the Facebook page, and it's called Terry's Mysterious Moments. Or you can email me at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. Contact me if you want to. Let's talk about some things. That's about it. We'll be back again. Listen to the other shows. Have a good week, everybody.